How's everybody doing? Good. Well, I am Daniel. Last name, not Vanderklok, but Cavazos. We get confused all the time. If you know who Daniel Vanderklok is, because we look alike. Uh, but um, I uh, get the privilege to share tonight. Pastor Jake asked if I can teach. And, you know, I've taught here before. So some of you, I know some of you. I know probably a good chunk of you guys. And then some of you guys I don't know. Um, so let me introduce myself. As I said, I'm Daniel Cavazos. I'm part of the pastoral team here. And my role here at church is uh, the generation's pastor. And what that means is this, is that uh, I get to lead together with a few other next-gen pastors like the nursery pastor, the kids pastor, the youth pastor, and also the access pastor, which is another, none other than Jake Blaukamp. How many of you guys are appreciative for Jake? Uh, just go ahead and give a, a little hand clap. Jake, I love Jake so much. Jake has an amazing heart. I love his family, and, you know, we're just blessed, and I just want to honor him before you all today. Uh, so I get to lead that team, and, you know, it's really a team. It's not like a one-man show. It's we're doing it together, you know, and, and it's awesome, and we have an amazing staff, amazing volunteers. They get to pour into the next generation, and generations is one of the four pillars of how we accomplish the mission here at our church. It's a really, it's super important. And, you know, I don't have to convince you to say that today's kids, today's youth, today's young adults even, myself included, you know, it's so important to catch this vision of faith. Like to have that passed down is the, the most important thing because it's one of the things that if it's not intentionally passed, then it's forgotten. And it's such a supernatural thing to think about how, the Bible, the course of church history has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And it hasn't lost its value. It hasn't lost its worth. And I just read in the other day in the scriptures that says that Jesus' um, righteousness is from generation to generation. And so it's just an amazing thing. So I'm privileged. I'm so honored to be a part of it. Um, just out of curiosity, raise your hand if this is your very first time here at Access. Don't want to single you out. I just want to kind of gauge the crowd. Okay. So you guys, you guys are the house. Um, let's, uh, let's pray, and then I want to teach a little bit, all right? So join with me in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. Lord, we know that you're already here. But Lord, we continue to acknowledge you from worship, through worship, and in this time. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us the way you want to, that you would bring revelation knowledge of who you are and how much you love us. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing through us in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right. I want to share on the subject of protecting your peace. Protecting your peace. Um, you know, as I prayed about it, I asked Jesus. It was just already on my heart. So when Jake asked me, you know, I didn't have to pray super hard or super long. It was there. And, you know, you think about timing, too, like this season can be chaotic, you know, for different reasons. It could also be um, kind of difficult if, if, you know, you're dealing with a, a, a remembering of a loss or, or anything like that. It's just a different emotions, and the enemy can really just play with that and, and, and try to do some really bad thing, more than what he does. And so I want to talk about protecting your peace. And let me just define this word protection. I looked it up. And I'm sure there's a lot of definitions. If you go to Google, you probably find one that you like best. But I found this. It says, to protect is this, to defend 
or guard from danger or loss. So, defending and guarding your peace from danger or loss. We defend and we protect that which is important and highly valuable to us. Think about this. You know, um, I probably lose about five water bottles a day. Like, seriously. I, either in my office, at home, uh, where I'm, when I'm going just a, out and about, I'm driving. At the end of the day, I probably have like four or five water bottles that I started because I lost one and I picked up another one. And the reality is because it's not a lot. I mean, depending on how tight your budget is, I guess it's pretty valuable. It can be valuable, but really it's not that highly valuable. Now, when I think about like a bag of chips, I might lose a bag of Cheetos every now and again, but not like I lose water bottles because I think it might be in my heart that I value bag of Cheetos a little bit higher than water bottles. I know it's not as healthy, but that's the truth. Now, how about my wallet? I guard my wallet and I protect my wallet from being lost or stolen a little higher than I would a water bottle because it's a little more valuable to me. There's personal information. There's access to my account, right? Well, how about my family? How about my wife and my children? The level, let me say it this way. The thing that you protect most, you have defined most important to you. Think about that for a second. What you protect and what you guard most in your life, whether it's good or bad, is what you have defined as most valuable to you. So I pose this question to us tonight. What is the peace of God worth to you? And I can't answer that for you because that's based off of your definition. It's based off of your experience. It's based off what you have gone through. It's maybe based on going through some life and experiencing the lack of peace to better understand the value of what it really is. And so what, and this isn't to engage you or anything, but it's a question to make you think. And hopefully you can walk away tonight with a better understanding. And again, I can't define that to you, but I can say this, that thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars are spent by people trying to find a sense of hope and a sense of peace, whether that's through medication, whether that's through counseling, whether that's through illegal drugs and illegal activity. Because why? Because it is a high sought out value in our life, and the reality is that it's something that money cannot buy. I remember as a kid, I used to stay up super late at night um, on the weekends because my mom would stay up super late at night. And she, you know, single mom, and she would uh, drink until she was drunk. And I would stay up until uh, she was asleep, and I would, t uh, I would put out the cigarette that was in her hand. And this was like almost every weekend. And it was just a buildup of, of, of stress, a buildup of just a lot of pressure, and I was a kid, and I remember asking my mom, Mom, why do you, why do you drink like this? Why do you get so drunk like this? And I, I just sincerely was wanting to know what's going on, and you know what she told me? She said it's because, she says, mijo, because, you know, that's how she calls me, mijo. It's because I want to sleep at night. And I remember thinking, like, it, it just went so above my head. I didn't realize the pressure, the stress that she was dealing with. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, 
this is what it takes. And I was a kid. This is what it takes to have my mom get a little bit of relief and a little bit of, a little bit of uh, rest, if you will. But how many of you guys know that everything you seek, everything you try to do to find and experience peace outside of Jesus is not true peace? Because you can't buy peace. You can't earn peace. You can't win peace. You can't be worthy of peace because peace is a gift. And because it's a gift, the only thing that we can do instead of buying or purchasing or earning is receive it by faith. Ephesians 2 and verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Jesus himself is our peace. If you remember only one thing tonight, remember that Jesus is your peace. He is your peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, come on, say a little bit louder, Prince of Peace. Peace. How many of you guys heard that before? Raise your hand if you've heard Prince of Peace before. I mean, we're getting nearer and nearer, closer and closer to Christmas time. And that's probably around the, the time of year that we hear it the most. You know, in, in fact, this scripture is, you know, a lot of times likened to like a Christmas scripture <laughs> Because that's the time we hear it a lot of times. But it is a promise. And it, was, it is a promise fulfilled from God. It's a prophecy. And you know, Prince of Peace is a really powerful title. The word prince in Hebrew is the word sar, which means lord, chief, general, the one in charge. So we're not talking about a Disney prince. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I he see that word anywhere else, I think of like, what I grew up thinking of what a prince is, like Prince Charming. Like this is not Prince Charming. This is not Disney Prince. This is like the one in charge, the commander, the chief, the lord, the Tsar. This is what he is. This is who he is. And peace means shalom, which means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness, and contentment. That is the definition of peace. That is what I believe we are called, and I want to stir you up, I want to remind you, I want to inspire you tonight that it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to protect, protect that. What? Wholeness, tranquility, rest, completeness, contentment. When you think about this word, Prince of Peace, this is what it means when you break it down. Jesus is your chief of rest. Jesus is your general of contentment. Jesus is the one in charge of your tranquility and your wholeness. Jesus is your chief. I wish my mom would have known that Jesus was her chief of rest. Because how many of you know that sleep does not give you rest all the time? You can sleep eight hours a night. I know some of y'all sleep a lot less than that. But you can sleep eight hours a night and still wake up restless and full of insecurities and anxieties and lack of peace. Because sleep does not always equal rest. Rest and peace only come where Jesus is invited and where Jesus is present. Because why? He is the prince of peace. When he comes, 
He comes in charge. He is the commander of peace. And when he steps into the area, you invite him in wherever there's turmoil, wherever there's chaos, wherever there's confusion, wherever there's anxiety, wherever there's depression, wherever there is this emotion that is just off biblically and what God has created you to walk in and to live from, when you invite Jesus in that area, he is peace. And so as he enters, that is what enters as well because he is the commander of peace. So Psalms 29.11 says this, the Lord will give you strength, excuse me, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And some of you guys need to write that down, and some of you guys need to just allow that to, to, to roll off your, your tongue and your, your mouth a few times a day and memorize that and just speak that out so much until you get it in your heart and you believe it because it is a promise. And if you are a child of God, that is a promise that belongs to you, that the Lord will bless his people with peace. He will bless you with peace. And so again, I'm not speaking about this peace that culture or society defines it as. Like peace is like no more wars and everybody's getting along and peace in the Middle East. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about peace that Jesus gives that gives you this uh, wholeness inside, that gives you this trust, that confidence, that assurance that there's no fear and you know who you are, and you know that Jesus is for you, okay? Peace is not trouble never finding you and everything going your way. That's not what peace is. I think some of us um, think about this, and maybe, maybe it's just me, but uh, I used to think that coming into a life with Jesus meant that uh, there was not going to be as much problems. Like, I wasn't, like, pushing it, like, I'm never going to have a problem, but I thought, nah, I'm cool with Jesus now, so I'm not going to have as many problems. And if I do, it's not going to be as crazy as it was before. But how many of you guys know that's not true? If anything, you have a bigger target on your back because the devil is afraid of you. And the devil is afraid of what you can do for his kingdom. And so peace is not like never going through anything and never having things not go your way. Like that's not what peace is. But peace is finding rest and contentment in the good and in the bad. Peace is not controlling every outcome, but peace is having trust inside no matter what happens. So for the remainder of our time tonight, I want to just be practical and do my best to help you out with what you can apply to your life right now um, in terms of protecting your peace. And I want to share three areas. I'm sure there's a lot more, but I chose three areas where we need to protect our peace in. And they all start with P, if you like taking notes and remembering things. So I'm kind of weird like that. So the first is people. We need to protect our peace among each other. Um, other people, whether they mean it or not, have the potential to take your peace. How many of you guys have found that to be true? It doesn't matter who it is. It can be someone you love. It can be an enemy. In fact, sometimes uh, the harder ones are the ones you love, right? When, when they, when they uh, either let you down or offend you or hurt you. But people can have the potential to rob 
your peace and to take your peace away from you. Um, and the key word, of course, is potential. Because why? Jesus has given you authority. And Jesus has called us to protect our peace. And again, that is guarding it no matter what. And so even if someone is, 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 is doing something or the way that they are is, is, is something that just hurts you and it's hard for you, it doesn't mean that you have to leave or give up your peace. You can still have peace in a messy time or in a messy uh, season of a relationship. Here's what you need to know about protecting your peace with people. You have to come. This is huge. This is, this is so important because um, I, I, I have struggled in my life, in my past, with being a people pleaser. <laughs> and I have seen this to be so true and so revolutionary in my life to find this revelation and really, like, believe it and understand it. And that's this. You have to come to terms with yourself that you cannot please everybody. Say that amen a little bit louder. Amen. Come on. You just cannot please everyone. And I'm not giving you a ticket to be a jerk to everybody. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Because I know some of us can take it and be like, oh, well, they don't like me anyways. And I, I don't have to please everybody, so whatever. And, you know, you start being somebody that God hasn't called you to be or doing. You know, the Bible does call us to walk in love. But it is, you just cannot be liked and you cannot please everybody. It's impossible. And if you don't understand this truth, listen, you will be restless in your pursuit of your relationships. You will be restless. And you will be stressed out if you think that you can or you have to or it's your job for everyone to like you and approve of you. I remember I, was, I, was, I taught in a, in a service and after I taught, you know, not that I'm looking for a pat on my back or nothing like that, but I'm definitely not looking for this, for somebody to come up to me and tell me they don't like me. And they told me, yeah, Melanie sympathizes with me. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, they, just, they just said, oh, you know, that was really good. Good job. And, man, I just never liked you before. And I was just surprised. And I was so, like, taken back. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I'm still learning how to not take or, or have to please everybody. You know, that's something God has just been really working with me on through my life. And I've definitely come a long ways, but this time I wasn't where I was now. And man, that like hit me across the side of my face. And I'm like, why? 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 You know, I want to know why, because I want to try to fix it. I want to know where I can work it from, right? And you know what he said? He says, well, I don't know. And I'm like, give me something to work with, man. Like, I want to try to fix this. And that was that. And I just remember like how messed up that made me feel because I allowed that to make me feel that way. Why? Because I was waiting for the approval of man. I was expecting that, well, at least if you didn't like me, you wouldn't say anything because you know that that would be hurtful. And you know what? There's just some things that are so far out of our control and really the real reason I don't know is why you didn't like me. I mean, I remember talking to just um, the other week, I was talking with somebody about um, children names because they're going to thinking about, you know, future children. And I'm sure I know, I don't know, there's probably no one married here, but I'm sure at least a good group of you girls have thought about what you would name your children in the future, right? I mean, I would, I would assume that. And uh, I remember we were talking about it and some names came up and they're like, I would never name my daughter that. Why? 
because I knew a girl in high school and she was crazy. And I would never name my daughter that because she was crazy. And I wouldn't define the crazy because just think about <laughs> what that crazy might be. And it might be as crazy and dumb as that that you share the name of the childhood bully or the weird person in school or the person that hurt them. And that's the only reason they don't like you. Like, how dumb is that? And how crazy is it for us to think that we can control the outcome of that? Like, it goes so deep. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing the fear of man is a snare is another translation that says it. But fearing people is a dangerous trap. Let me tell you this. It's a trap. Fear God, not man. You know what a trap does? Think about a trap. A trap, like if you're going to trap, like I hate mice. Like, I hate mice. (laughs) I was traumatized as a kid. We had mice in our house. And I remember one time I tried, I was like, I was working myself up to just face this mouse because I was freaked out about it. I go, and the mouse jumped this high. Oh, my God. I ran. I said, I didn't think they can jump that high. I was sleeping on the couch because I didn't have a room. My, my bed was the couch. And I thought I was safe until that night. And it just ruined every other night for me in my childhood. So I was traumatized. <laughs> Got to go with uh, Nick Mayo and get free from <laughs> Fear of Mice. <laughs> so uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> Traps. So, like, so think about, like, a mouse, like, you know, if there's a mouse in my like, I want to trap that thing. What does that mean? Well, you're going to catch it. You're going to bind it. You're going to capture it. Think about this. The fear of man is a trap. What that means is this. That, we'll, t- we'll take the mouse analogy, that which was free and can go where it wanted to go and do what it wanted to do is now trapped and cannot move forward or go where it needs to go. That is what the fear of man does to you and to me. It traps us. It stops our progression. It paralyzes us. It captures us. And it keeps you from being free and who God has called you to be. That is what the fear of man does. It's a trap. Here's the second thing. Man, I've spent so much time on this one point. Okay, let's go through this. we got to forgive each other. Let me tell you this, forgiveness in the Christian life is not a one-time event. It is not a one-time event. Like, I did it once, I'm good, I don't have to do it again, and I don't expect anyone to make me do it again. Like, that is not a disciple. That is not a child, that's not who God has called you to be. This has to be flowing. Why? Because people are imperfect. People do stupid things. We do stupid things. We say stupid things. You need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. We need it from God, and we need it from each other. Like, forgiveness has to be flowing through our life. I remember, well, this didn't happen too long ago. It was just about a couple months ago. Um, Someone who I esteem highly, someone who I love dearly, um, was offended by me and just cut all conversation and everything in our relationship just like that. Oh, it broke my heart because this man was, I considered a spiritual father in my life, and you know, the quick story is that we were talking over the phone. We would talk all the time. And he knew, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly about my life. Like, he was a spiritual father for me. And I said something that he misunderstood. And it hurt him. And it hurt him so much that he stopped talking to me. And I was so surprised because I'm like, this guy's like, close to Jesus. Like, outside of Jesus, this guy's pretty, like, 
He's, he's holy. Like, he's amazing. God uses him. And I, I see um, he inspires me. And it hurt me so bad. And I don't know about you guys, but it's one thing when uh, you did something stupid and now that you have to ask for forgiveness and you have to forgive each other. And you know you were wrong, but it's another thing where you were misunderstood. And you didn't even mean that, and you don't even know how to approach it because it is just messy. But you know what I did? You know what? I, 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 I prayed, and God led me to forgive him, even though I was misunderstood. And that brought healing to me. And that, what did that do? That allowed peace to return to my heart. Because I was definitely not feeling peace. I was so, I was just, just it, it bothered me. It was so, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Maybe it's not like, like with somebody that happened the way it happened with me. But something in your life where something happened or something's going on. And you can't focus on anything else. You can't do anything else good because of this thing that happened. And it's just like right in front of your face. And until you forgive... This is in front of your face, and you can do nothing and see nothing clearly the way you're supposed to. And I believe that when we don't forgive, it robs us of our peace, and it, and it, and it, and it keeps us bound from being free and experiencing the peace of God. Okay. Um, here's the second thing. Problems. We have to protect our peace in problems. John 14, 27 says this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, this is Jesus talking, and not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Um, there's a story where Jesus and his disciples are about to cross the Sea of Galilee and a storm hits them. And uh, I'm going to just read through this so that I can kind of grab a couple points here that I want to teach on. Mark 4.35 says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. So I want to take this idea of problems and just use this analogy of a storm in our life. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Think about this. I want you to picture this. And I'm sorry the scripture is not up on the, on the screen, but think about this and picture this little boat going across the sea and a storm out of nowhere just rising and beating the boat, this little boat of where these disciples and Jesus were. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they were exceedingly, they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. We go through problems in life and we go through storms in life. A lot of times it hits us in our whole being. And what I mean by that is that it can hit us physically, it can hit us emotionally in our soul, and it can hit us spiritually. There are different problems and there are different storms that we go through in life that some of it might be just a physical issue, but a lot of times when it's a true storm and it's like, let's say a physical issue, let me give you an example, like a bad health report. When it's a serious problem and it takes your peace away, 
it affects you not only in your physical, but it affects you in your emotional soul realm, and it affects you in your spiritual realm as well. And I see this clearly in this, in this story where, um, you know, physically the disciples thought that they were going to die. Like they literally thought they were going to die. They were full of fear. And, and that fear is that emotional, that soul side, that, that, that lack of peace, that anxiety, and the just straight spirit of fear. And thirdly, it hit them in their spiritual life because they made such a strong statement to Jesus when he was asleep. And they said, do you not care that we are perishing? And sometimes we read over this and we don't really see it and get it. But I believe there's a revelation here. Because so many times we say the same thing. When we're going through something in life, when we're going through a storm, when we're going through a problem, and it hits us and it rocks us so hard, we go through these stages of like, it hits us and we're scared and we become, become full of fear. And then we start questioning Jesus' love and his commitment to us. Do you even care that I'm going through this? Like, why am I even going through this? And some of us sometimes even go so far as becoming self-righteous and saying, I don't deserve to be going through what I'm going through. And it hits your spiritual walk. If, and, and what I want to do is just, I want to just expose that to you tonight because to properly protect your peace, you have to understand in a storm that it can hit you to your core to the point of you questioning Jesus' love and his commitment to you. But the Bible says that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And the Bible says that he loves you. And the Bible says that his promises for you are yes and they are a man. The Bible says that when you ask and you ask by faith that you will receive it. And anything you ask in Jesus' name to the Father, he will give you. Of course, when we're not asking amiss, but we're asking according to his will. You know what storm? I see the storm and I believe that storms in life. How do I say this? Sometimes storms happen. Because we, d- we made stupid decisions, right? Sometimes, like, I think about Jonah. Like, that storm happened because he was in straight disobedience with God. Sometimes storms happen because it's an attack of the devil. And regardless of why the reason is, here's what a storm's purpose is. A storm's purpose is to stop you from going to the destination and fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. I believe that if the disciples didn't have Jesus involved, and I believe if Jesus didn't do something, that that storm would have stopped them from going across the sea and doing the ministry that they did. I believe if if Jonah didn't do something, that storm would have took his life potentially, and he wouldn't have preached to Nineveh the way he was supposed to preach. So let me end with this, okay? If you're like, man, I need that third point, the third point is your position. I'm not going to teach on it, but your position with Jesus gets attacked too. And robs your peace. And I want to tell you that you can do nothing to earn his love. Like it's, it's nothing but Jesus is what positions you and qualifies you before the Father. And you have an accuser that will always beat you up and say you didn't do enough. And when you do enough, he said you didn't do it right. And you just got to get in the Bible and believe what the word says no matter what you feel. Amen. But let me tell you this about storms. And then I got to wrap it up. Because I know we got group time after this. And I want Jake to invite me back sometime. Um, here's what, I want you to remember this. This is so important. This has changed my life. This is spiritual warfare right here that I'm going to teach you. 
It's two things. It's simple. But you've got to apply it for it to be powerful. In any storm you are in, in any problem you face, James 4, 7, you do two things. You submit to God and you resist the devil. You submit to God and you resist the devil. Well, what happens, Pastor Daniel, if the storm that I'm in is because of me? Submit to God. Humble yourself and resist the devil. That's what Jesus did. He said peace. You know what that word peace means? I, in the margin of my Bible it says be quiet. Shut up. That's what it means. And I believe Jesus was talking to the storm in the waves. And I believe he was talking to the storm of the disciples. And he told them all to be quiet. And he gave this voice of authority. And you submit to God. What does that mean? Well, that means you humble yourself. You humble yourself before God. You, you pour out your heart and you talk to Jesus and you invite him in whatever problem situation you're in. And you ask him to, to reveal to you. And you talk with him and you, you go to his word. What does his word say? You go to wise counsel in the church. You, you submit to him and you look for his way. And then you resist the devil. And that means you take authority, the authority that Jesus has given you, and you open your mouth. And you bind the devil and you rebuke the devil and you tell that storm to be, to be quiet. And you, you'll see that Jesus backs that because it's according to his word and those waves will stop. Those waves will be calm. And again, that's, that's storm. That's, if you're not in a storm now, well, the saying is this. Either you're coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're about to get into a storm. That's the saying. But I'm here to tell you tonight that... Peace is not trying to navigate life to avoid storms. Peace is you standing firm, and even in the middle of the storm, you can be confident and assured that Jesus is with you, and you can have full assurance and full peace and trust in God. Amen? Amen. All right. I hope that blesses you. I want to pray with you, though, before I, I finish. My time is up, and uh, I just, you know what? My goal tonight was just to remind you guys um, about peace and, and, and the fact that we have a job to do. And this is an intentional thing. It doesn't just happen. Uh, you, we, we protect it. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's something that we do by force. Amen? So close your eyes with me and pray. I don't know if you have some altar music right there that you can play. If you don't, that's okay. Um, but I just kind of want to hear the Holy Spirit here, and sometimes that helps. Um, so let's just give it a second. And... Thank you, Lord. Can everyone just bow their head and close their eyes? And, and I, I just want you to do this boldly and say, you know, there's some areas in my life that I can experience peace from Jesus. Raise your hand. And no one else is watching. Everyone's closing their eyes. Let's just do this together. Let's say this. Jesus, you are my Prince of Peace. I invite you, together with peace, into my heart, into my mind, and into my life. I carry the presence of God. Therefore, I carry peace. I am a peacemaker. And I experience the peace of God in my life. Amen. Father, 
I thank you for this amazing, amazing group of people tonight. I pray, Lord, that this word would not return void. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to just bring to their mind uh, your scriptures of your promises of peace. And even in this season, I bind the spirit of depression and anxiety. I bind the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. We tell pride to leave. And, Lord, we just say that we love you and we have faith in what your promises are for us. And we just receive everything you have for us. Lord, make us a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. I appreciate you guys. Love you all.